I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Kings chapter 9 and 2 Chronicles chapter 8. In 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, God speaks to Solomon. Now, this is also found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 22. And this is the passage that we have already read, incidentally. We read that on the 8th a few days ago. And so, the even though they're parallel passages, we'll be uh, reading just the 1 Kings 9 passage. And if you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org, in blue, in the right-hand column, uh, you can see it in parallel in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built, to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and wilt keep my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, there shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. But if he shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. And at this house, which is high, every one that passeth by it shall be astonished, and shall hiss. And they shall say, Why hath the Lord done this unto this land, and to this house? And they shall answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them." and served them. Therefore hath the Lord brought upon them all this evil. In First Kings chapter 8, the ark had been moved into the newly built temple, and the temple was dedicated. There was prayer, lots of sacrificing, and a pep talk from Solomon to the people. After the smoke cleared, <laughs> pun intended, Solomon gets a visit from God. It was the second visit, the first being right there after he became king in First Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 15. God conveys a simple message, really. It's do right and always prosper. Do wrong by serving other gods, and it will be your ruin. God promises that David's throne would be eternal. That was unconditional. That was a covenant that God made with David, unconditional, in Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. However, there was a conditional part of the promise regarding David's throne. 
while it will be established eternally, it may be, and in fact was, interrupted due to the conditions in this passage. Specifically, Israel went after other gods and forsook the one true God. We'll see that during Solomon's reign, he himself allowed the worship of false gods to come right there into the temple court, apparently even promoted it. While he always highly esteemed God himself, he allowed freedom of religion to be practiced by his own wives and the residents of Israel. The Lord God of Israel was not exclusive with him like he had been with his father David. That was a shortcoming of Solomon that turned out to be the beginning of Israel's downfall. And God didn't let this lack of faithfulness slide either, as he points out in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 25, which we'll be looking at in a few days. Consequently, after his reign was over, Israel split. The northern ten tribes went after the worship of false gods. Well, let's take a closer look at the negative stipulations found in verses 6 through 9 of this chapter 9 here. Verse 6 again says, But if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, now listen to this, verse 7, Then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them. And, listen, This house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight. And Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. And at this house which is high, every one that passeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss. And they shall say, Why hath the Lord done this unto this land and to this house? And they shall answer, Now listen to this closely, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them, and served them, Therefore, one more emphasis right here, the Lord brought upon them all this evil. So, it's important to recognize a very important point here, that God is bound to honor the Davidic covenant that was first established in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12-16. through 16. But, at the same time, this covenant did not prevent the setback brought about by the people of Israel going after false gods. And that's per the conditions of this passage right here. In 586 B.C., the last stronghold of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, fell to the Babylonians once and for all. It actually started earlier in 605 B.C., the siege against Jerusalem. From that time until Israel declared its independence in 1948, there wasn't really an autonomous nation called Israel. Well, there were spurts, but nothing really that lasted for any length of time. In October 2004, a modern yet unofficial Sanhedrin was established in Israel, which was patterned after that which we are familiar with from the New Testament. In addition, there's a keen interest among these religious leaders, the members of the revived Sanhedrin, to restore the Davidic monarchy. Orthodox Jews today see this as the path toward restoration in other words, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy regarding the Davidic kingdom. The uh, website, by the way, for the new Sanhedrin, I've uh, provided a link for it on today's uh, written notes of BibleTrack.org, 
Uh, it's uh, thesanhedrin.org. And you can click on that link and go read all about the reestablished Jewish Sanhedrin. So um, most fundamental Christian Bible scholars today see the situation differently, of course. I share their view that it's incidental to Old Testament prophetic promises whether or not the temple or the Davidic throne is established prior to the 70th week of Daniel. You can read about that and my position on that verse, on those verses, rather, that passage, uh, by clicking on the link in Daniel 9, 24-27 on the written notes of today's reading, or by looking it up in the index on the main page. What we know from prophecy is this, that by the midpoint of those seven years of tribulation, there will be a temple, and the throne of David will be established by Jesus at the end of the tribulation, which is the beginning of the millennium. The temple that exists at the time during the tribulation, the one that will be rebuilt, uh, that'll be replaced by Ezekiel's temple. We see that temple in Ezekiel chapter 40. As a matter of fact, in Ezekiel chapters 40 through 48, we see detailed information regarding the rebuilding of the millennial temple. And that's the temple that will be the center point of the millennium. And uh, that's the uh, one promised in the Davidic covenant. And that's the one that will be inhabited by Jesus the Messiah. That brings us to 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 10, verses 10 through 28, also paralleled by Second uh, Chronicles chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 11. Now Hiram the king of Tyre had furnished Solomon with cedar trees and fir trees and with gold according to all his desire. And then King Solomon gave Hiram twenty cities in the land of Galilee. And Hiram came out from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, and they pleased him not. And he said, What cities are these which thou hast given me, my brother? And he called them the land of Kabul unto this day. And Hiram sent to the king six score talents of gold. And this is the reason of the levy which Solomon raised for to build the house of the Lord, and his own house, and Milo, and the wall of Jerusalem, and Hazor, and Megiddo, and Gezer. The Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and taken Gezer, and burnt it with fire, and slain the Canaanites that dwelt in the city, and given it for a present unto his daughter, Solomon's wife. And Solomon built Gezer, and Beth Horon the nether, and Baalath, and Tadmor in the wilderness and the land, and all the cities of store that Solomon had, and cities for his chariots, and cities for his horsemen, and that which Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, and in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. And all the people that were left of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, which were not of the children of Israel, their children that were left after them in the land, whom the children of Israel also were not able to utterly destroy, Upon those did Solomon levy a tribute of bond service unto this day. But of the children of Israel did Solomon make no bondmen, but they were men of war, and his servants, and his princes, and his captains, and rulers of his chariots, and his horsemen. These were the chief of the officers that were over Solomon's work, five hundred and fifty which bear rule over the people that wrought in the work. But Pharaoh's daughter came up out of the city of David, unto her house which Solomon had built for her. Then did he build Melo. And three times in a year did Solomon offer burnt offerings and peace offerings upon the altar which he built unto the Lord. 
and he burned incense upon the altar that was before the Lord, so he finished the house. And King Solomon made a navy of ships in Ezion-Geber, which is beside Eloth on the shore of the Red Sea, in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent in the navy his servants, shipmen that had knowledge of the sea with the servants of Solomon. And they came to Ophir and fetched from thence gold four hundred and twenty talents and brought it to King Solomon. Now let's take a look at the same parallel passage uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of twenty years, wherein Solomon had built the house of the Lord in his own house, that the cities which Hiram had restored to Solomon, Solomon built them and caused the children of Israel to dwell there. And Solomon went to Hamath Zobah and prevailed against it. And he built Tadmor in the wilderness and all the store cities which he built in Hamath. And he built Beth Horon the upper and Beth Horon the nether, fenced cities with walls, gates, and bars. And Baaloth and all the store cities that Solomon had, and all the chariot cities, and the cities of the horsemen, and all that Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, and in Lebanon, and throughout all the land of his dominion. And for all the people that were left of the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which were not of Israel, but of their children who were left after them in the land, whom the children of Israel consumed not, them did Solomon make to pay tribute until this day. But of the children of Israel did Solomon make no servants for his work, but they were men of war, and chief of his captains, and captains of his chariots and horsemen. And these were the chief of King Solomon's officers, even two hundred and fifty that bear rule over the people. And Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh out of the city of David into the house that he had built for her. And he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places are holy, whereunto the ark of the Lord hath come. Then Solomon offered burnt offerings unto the Lord on the altar of the Lord, which he had built before the porch. Even after a certain rate every day, offering according to the commandments of Moses on the Sabbaths, and on the new moons, and on the solemn feast three times in the year, even in the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles. And he appointed according to the order of David his father the courses of the priests to their service, and the Levites to their charges to praise and minister before the priest, as the duty of every day required." The porters also by their courses at every gate, for so had David the man of God commanded. And they departed not from the commandment of the king unto the priest and Levites concerning any matter or concerning the treasures. Now all the work of Solomon was prepared in the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord, and until it was finished, so the house of the Lord was perfected. Then went Solomon to Azion-Geber and to Eloth, at the seaside in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent him by the hands of his servants ships and servants that had knowledge of the sea. And they went with the servants of Solomon to Ophir and took thence 450 talents of gold and brought them to King Solomon. Well, we see in this passage, these two passages, that Solomon's cruising along on all eight cylinders at this point in his reign. I mean, it's the Royal Donkey Express. He spent 20 years of his 40-year reign building the temple in a really, really nice house for himself. He used forced labor, non-Israelite forced labor, but nonetheless forced labor, to do all the work. I mean, he had it all, armies, ships, dominance, 
All the surrounding kings wanted to be Solomon's best buddy. King Hiram of Tyre, he's the guy that provided Solomon's uh, Lebanon timber. Uh, He didn't much like his vendor deal, 20 cities selected by Solomon in Galilee, but no problem, Solomon, whatever you say, I guess I'll take it. Uh, Hiram did give him a nickname, though. He called them the Land of Cobble, and that Cobble means uh, little worth. It's a derogatory term. The king of Egypt, whose daughter was married to Solomon, gave him the whole city of Gezer, about 20 miles from Jerusalem. That was a dowry for his daughter. It's interesting that while Gezer was located in Israel, it hadn't been previously purged of Canaanites. The tribe of Ephraim failed to do so back in Joshua chapter 16, verse 10. And David actually failed to do so again centuries later. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 25 and 1 Chronicles 14, 16. So Pharaoh comes up out of Egypt to do the job. Nothing too good for his daughter. Notice in Second Chronicles chapter 8, verse 11, it says this, And Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh out of the city of David into the house that he built for her. For he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places are holy, whereunto the ark of the Lord hath come. So Solomon's Egyptian wife doesn't just have her own bedroom. She has her own house. Well, actually, she has her own city. Why? Well, Solomon says because Solomon's house is apparently adjoined to the temple, and he didn't want her heathen hands touching temple stuff. What a husband. He obviously deviated from those convictions during the last 20 years of his rule. It's not known whether her house in Gezer was a temporary home, vacation home, or a permanent home. We see in 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 1-12, through 12, that he apparently had built her another house in Jerusalem near his own house. Well, times are good for Israel, we see in this passage. We're now 20 years into Solomon's reign, and Solomon is truly the big player in the region. Those Canaanites who stayed around now serve as slaves. We see from Second Chronicles chapter 8, verses 13 through 15, that Solomon was very conscientious and intense about his commitment to God at this point in time. He observed the three annual Jewish feasts, the festivals, It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. If you want to know more about those feasts, there's an article under the topic section of BibleTrack.org called The Jewish Feast or Jewish Festivals. He had the temple priests working their shifts, and God was prospering Israel under his reign during this period of time. Times are truly good for Solomon and Israel. Solomon even established a navy with some of the manpower supplied by King Hiram of Tyre. Solomon's ship subsequently went to a region, Ophir, and brought back gold for Solomon's coffers. Again, it should be noted that Solomon experienced a significant slippage in his commitment to God during the last half of his reign. And we'll see in 1 Kings chapter 11 when we get over there, we'll see an outline of his shortcomings. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.